Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Holly Perkins is on the show today. She specializes in women's strength training, but she's just an overall badass when it comes to exercise, physiology, and nutrition. She has an incredibly impressive career and resume. She has been a contributing writer for numerous magazines from Women's Health, Prevention, Self, I mean, all of them, and just a personal trainer who's worked with some of the most famous people out there. Um, wealth of knowledge is going to be a really interesting conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so so someone who I love in the uh, our community uh, recommended you. Said you know you should talk to Holly, and then I met you briefly at Mark's house at a party. Yeah, uh, I had with already had the podcast scheduled, um, and unfortunately, I just was we were running around too much with other stuff, and I didn't get to. So now now I get to finally talk to you more. <laughs> um, but we had an interesting discussion, and you know, let's let's start off first of all with your experience because you really have had a lifelong interest in this. So, I mean, this has been your whole life. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So my trajectory is super interesting. Um, I've been in the fitness industry my entire life, as you said. I've got a degree in exercise physiology and nutrition. I'm soon to be a certified nutritionist, and I know that how we eat is so much about us and. I, um, you know, a long story short, we'll dive right in on a personal level. I battled depression my entire life, starting at the age of 12, um, and basically was on antidepressants my entire life. And it was something that throughout my career as a fitness expert, I was always troubleshooting. And I would make progress through the years. Definitely, I would kind of sort through the different details. And I got myself to the point where in my early 40s, um, this just goes back a couple of years ago. I'm still in my early-ish 40s. But um, I really had a radical shift. And I made the choice to get myself off of antidepressants. As I did that, it revealed incredible and powerful food issues. Um, and the foods that I was eating was creating strong problems in my biochemistry. And it was when I discovered that grains and dairy were probably hands down the biggest factors in my history of depression going all the way back to 12. Um, you know, let me, let me jump in and because I want you to clarify that first of all, yeah, so wonderful that you're sharing that. We actually have a lot of people who go towards paleo primal paradigms because of anxiety and depression issues. And so we're going to get really into that. It's so wonderful that you're, you know, so all your life, right? So many different paradigms you've studied and learned, right? At one point in your life, I'm sure you were all about the whole grain, right? You know, so, so, so that at one point, right, then you get to this point where you're like, wait, what? Right. Yeah. So what was that moment that led you to go, you know, maybe these are the culprits or maybe I should just consider eliminating it. Did, you know, what was your experiment there that led to the like, uh-oh, holy crap. Well, you know, it was funny. I, um, 
made the self-honoring choice, and I'm glad that I did, to work with several doctors and get myself off of a lifetime of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. And so one of the medications I had been on for almost 17 years, I think. So I went through, it took me about a year-long journey to step off of the medication. And with each step, I got these new and different health problems that were coming in. Um, Clearly, I felt like crap coming off of of medication, but also I was really facing digestive disorders. Um, Out of nowhere, I got hit with some wicked powerful allergies, um, terrible fatigue, and I worked with a functional nutritionist who said, you know what, let's do some testing. We did some testing and it came back that my body was highly reactive to grains and dairy. And that was the thing that I was like, oh my God, I never, I I just hadn't put two and two together. It really was just, I didn't know. And as soon as I saw the report and I saw how reactive I was to grains and dairy and I took them out, it was like I awoke. I mean, out of nowhere, I had life again and all of the familiar symptoms that I was calling depression were gone. And I didn't fully realize it until I was off greens and dairy for about six months and I ate a bowl of oatmeal and all of those symptoms came back. I mean, it was clear as day. So the things that I was calling depression, all of my particular depression symptoms, because we all have slightly different symptoms, right? And even going back to my early twenties, I went from doctor to doctor to doctor because I knew there was something wrong with me. I knew there was something wrong, even though I was eating well and I was eating healthy. And as you said, I was eating whole grains and I was eating the typical clean, healthy, truly healthy diet, but I felt like crap all the time. And so I knew something was wrong. Because you're doing everything, quote, right. Yes, but I didn't. I think that that was right when you know, Mark's approach to eating was really emerging. And while I heard it and it made sense, I didn't really get it. And it took a food sensitivity test to show me and point it out to me. And so then when I tried it out, it literally, I mean, it really was a very, um, it was a very sad moment. I mean, I had some grief for several weeks around this because all of a sudden I realized my entire life, I was on antidepressants and I was told that I was depressed and I battled that my whole life. The real problem I now know for certain was the food that I was eating. Something is dumb. Something as dumb as green. Yeah, you know, because oh, I know. And I didn't have the depression symptoms of classic suicide or hopelessness or um, the emotional issues of what we see as depression. Mine were all physiological. I couldn't think. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get a bed. I was always tired. I was always run down. I always had digestive issues. I was always constipated. It's hard to be happy when you're... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was just like blue. My brain was just in low gear all the time. It's a general malaise is what it is. And it profoundly affects everything. You know, I've been there and it is what you said about the grief over it is so brutal because there's so many levels to it. It's, oh my God, 
I can't believe I was put on all these meds when it, you know, they should have known. So there's a little bit, it's harsh because you want to like blame professionals that we seek out. You know, I had yeah. that too with doctors in my book, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, I ran into a doctor that had me misdiagnosed and on the wrong path for two years. And I saw him many years later at a, like a CVS. He didn't see me, but I saw him and I went to the parking lot and I, I lost my shit. I, I just started yeah. crying. You know, I had to actually do some healing work around yes. that feeling that resentment. And then there's the other part of you that feels like, why didn't I, why did I trust these people with my health? And so, they, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rough uh, detachment before you can get excited about the new wonderful path. There's yeah. this like really, and you know, there's people that like you have found even worse after 20, 30 years, realizing multitude of symptoms, hundreds of thousands of dollars on doctors. And it, and it was like, the doctor just missed X. Had they just looked at X, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough game, but it, it goes to everyone listening. We have to participate. We have to do some of our own research, right? And we have to make these biohacks because that's probably yes. the best thing you did. Now, it's interesting that the sensitivity test is what made you make the decision versus, you know, any other. And yes. thank God it just nailed it. Um I'm just kind of wanting to inspire people out there that if you're having any of the symptoms that Holly's mentioning, just try quitting grains and totally. legumes yeah. for an entire month. Like just try just it. Try it's it. healthy anyway. And you never know. And you don't necessarily need to go get a test to confirm Correct. that choice. Right. So yeah. anyway, it's just so important about the grief and I want you to continue, but it's tough. And I'm sure there's people out there who feel the same way. And, you know, we, we all go through it. So, well, you know, the thing, I think why it, why it required a test for me is because I was so in the belief that I was a depressed person. My parents told me that quote unquote depression runs in our family. My parents put me on Prozac at the age of 12. I was told my whole life that I'm just depressed and I'm going to have to be on medication. So I think I had it so ingrained in my head that I was a depressed person that right. I never thought to link it to my nutrition because why would it be grains and dairy? I'm a depressed person. That's right. And, and, and for so long, so clearly it's you, right? Yeah. It's been and then it was like, okay, so thankfully, you know, some higher power in the universe intervened and said, let's do a food sensitivity test. Well, I couldn't argue that anymore. And I was like, oh, there's the facts right in front of me. Why don't I just try it? And then even when I did the food sensitivity test and and went off grains and dairy. I wasn't doing it to battle my depression. I was doing it simply because this, this test told me I had food sensitivities. It wasn't until after I went, Oh my God, those symptoms are gone. It was an aha. So I think that's just how it went for me, but I agree with you. I I, I don't know why I didn't think sooner to, I really don't, I don't know why I didn't think sooner, but you know, um, we, ha we have, you know, we only have the tools that we have. And I guess when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no woulda, coulda, shoulda ever in this story. It's just a matter of what you go through in your head when you find out, you know, like that moment of like, oh, my God, it was that? It was right. that the whole time? Those right. are the rough moments. And it's just, you know, the message to people like, hey, you may beat yourself up for a second, question, you know, and have all these thoughts. But they are just ego and you just got to move forward because, you know, you're on the right track now, right? So yes. um, it's really interesting the the story again you know we're we're going to get into strength training and nutrition and macros and some other stuff but i like the topic and want to kind of tangent here over to the idea of really feeling you know cuz 
when you're in that scenario and you're depressed and everyone's telling you that story about you and you believe that story, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I would just write, I mean, uh, maybe you can highlight for the audience ways to kind of look at what kind of stories we might have out there. We need to look at rephrasing or changing about ourselves. Oh yeah. I think the stories we have about ourselves are so powerful. I didn't realize even what it meant to have a story about myself. Um, Thankfully, I went to Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny, and that's when I started to examine these stories I had about myself. And I'm currently a student at the University of Santa Monica studying spiritual psychology now, and I'm looking even deeper at these stories. And it really is just simply, what do you believe about yourself? Because... Um, those beliefs that we have about ourselves create our reality and our, our outer rea- experience is really a reflection of our inner reality. So it's like, what are we thinking inside and what are the stories that we're telling ourselves? Because your outer world starts to look that way. And I just, I encourage people who are battling, you know, with health issues or anything, or just even trying to body hack or improve your biology, you know, grab a journal, grab a piece of paper and just write out, what do you believe about yourself? What are the stories that you're telling yourself? Because the truth is, if you really take an objective look at them, you might find you have a choice in those stories. Do you like that story or not? Or do you want a different story? Yeah. And you know, I, it can be, it can be one that's seemingly innocuous. Like I used to have one where I'm like, I'm, I hate math. I'm bad at math. Just can't do math. Right. Well, it wasn't that I'm actually really good at it when I apply myself to it. It's just, I don't like it. That's all. I just don't like doing it. Um, but it's not true. That story's not true. And it prevented me for a while. I was a little bit nervous in, uh, taking a scuba diving course at one point, which I'm, part of it was like, oh no, math, right? (laughs) There's like some kind of math involved. And I I had to like kind of get over this hump in order to even get into that training program before I even had to deal with a story about it. And it kind of went back to, I think, like a grade school teacher of ours. It was like, you guys are all, you know, you'll end up sweeping floors at the local theme park if you don't learn math. (laughs) Like, you know, just all these weird things. But me just always being like, ah, hate math, hate science, not good at it. Well, it's really not true. Um, my grasp of it is it's that I'm just not a math person and I'm not, you know, I'd rather, yes, have someone else do my taxes. But, but again, it was a story that I was bad at it, that I couldn't navigate it. And it just wasn't true when I looked at it. And it was nice to overcome that through going through that scuba diving course and being like, I got this. I know what I'm, you know, and it was actually a really nice challenge and triumph to sort of get over that story. And what a dumb little story that doesn't really affect my life, but it's still, A little story. Yeah. And, you know, even if let's say that story was true, right? Sure. If you don't like that story, you have the power to change it. So even if, you know, listen, I went to school in Pennsylvania. My math skills were not strong. (laughs) But let's say my math is not good and I want to change it. We have the power to change that if we want. And so, yeah, I think like what you said, like examining the stories and then ask yourself, is that really true? And do I know that to be true for certain? And what's my attitude about that story? Do I like it or do I want to change it? Because we really do have the ability to create our reality. 
We really, really do. And it's, it, it, it can come in the form of um, a response to compliment uh, for the audience listening. That can be a tricky one and how you receive a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, if you deflect in a way, there's usually a story there. <laughs> I, cause I used to be, I used to be that person. Um, and so, yeah, so there's, there's like interesting little things. So I'm just glad because the story of being a depressed person is a very big story. Oh, it was a yeah. lifelong one and it's just inspiring to know that, hey, and, and it's not to say that you're out there suffering from this and maybe you can't get off of drugs. We're not saying, you know, right? It's just, Correct. Everyone's got their own journey. Correct. But I it's to, say, it's to say there's hope. It's to say there's hope for this. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and I think I knew in my soul for years that, I wanted to try to be medication free. Um, and all my doctors warned me not to because I'm a depressed person. Um, but I do believe that some people legitimately do have, um, you know, let's call it brain biochemistry or body biochemistry issues and medication is a lifesaver. Listen, that medication did save my life for many years. And for probably 10 of those years, I legitimately needed to be on it. Um, the thing that really was, an eye opener for me was to come to the realization only in the past couple of years that, you know, depression is what we call, it's a symptom of something else. And even depression experts will agree to that. It is a symptom of something. And so when I was like, oh my God, wait a minute, what's the something it's a symptom of, right? Because I didn't believe yeah, that very I had good inquiry. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I know Certainly, I had some emotional and mental and mindset strategies that I needed to work on that could have been, quote unquote, the cause of my symptoms. But I now know there was biology at play from what I was eating that was far more powerful to cause those symptoms. And so I think, you know, if you are battling depression, whether you're on medication or not, the question is, to is to, well... The question to pose to yourself comes from the statement that is, depression is a symptom of something. What do you feel your symptoms um, are, you know, yeah, your symptoms are related to, because you might be able to get to it. Is it emotional? Do you need talk therapy? Is Mm -hmm. it mindset? Or could it simply be biology? Yeah. Could it simply be, right, you know, you've got a thyroid problem or grains are not for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's amazing because people with rheumatoid arthritis especially can feel the difference so quickly because of the way that that disease affects their extremities, right? Yeah. So they'll they'll notice it, stiffness versus someone with Hashimoto's who might not notice the rise and fall of the antibodies at any given moment. Right. And uh, a friend of ours and uh, one of the first primal health coaches, Eli Rohde, she was a former vegan uh, vegetarian turned primal her thing is the arthritic stuff going on in her family. And she talked about how literally three fried olives as a cheat on an anniversary dinner or whatever, you know, like just the next day couldn't barely button her shirt. Yeah, sure. You know? And so it's amazing when you eliminate everything and then you introduce, like you said, you had a bowl of oatmeal and you're like, Oh no. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's when you really get to see the impact of it. And I think, you know, Dr. Barry Sears always said he loves it when people, quote unquote, fall off the wagon because it highlights all the good things you were feeling. So it highlights if you get on track and then you get off track, 
that's the best way to see the power of the program that you were following or are following. And, uh, yeah, that was the thing that really, you know, it was once I got myself cleaned up and then I exposed myself to grains again, it was so obvious, just like the olives. So obvious. Let's move into the discussion we were having a little bit before we went on air about macros. Mm. So, you know, Holly was saying that for her, she's found that consistency with macros, regardless of what's happening in life, is usually the winning move. And then I mentioned to her sort of the idea that we've been talking on this podcast and in general about sort of the more fluidity and flexibility of becoming more intuitive about it versus tracking macros, even though we always recommend everybody kind of do that at first because it's important to get to know what's what, how much I'm eating, oh my God, that steak is 800 calories, had no clue, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then moving into more fluid. But I also like the other side of it too. And I think it depends on who you are and what works for you. So let's get into you and the way that you track macros. Yeah. So I'm super passionate about supervising your macros. And that is because in my experience, um, both myself and with the people that I work with, um, you know, human does really need carbohydrates. We all know this, right? To different degrees. And I, um, in my best intentions for many years was following a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, as a lot of people are, right? It's a bit of a trend. And there is some research to really support why it can be beneficial. Um, But I always felt terrible. I was never feeling well. So I uh, did a genetic test, a DNA test, to get a handle on what amount of carbohydrates my body really needs. And it comes back that my body does best on a pretty high, high carbohydrate diet. My body does best on 55 to 65% carbohydrates. And again, here too, I had a test that gave me some feedback that I said, huh, let me try that out. And as soon as I started putting in the correct foods into my body, right? I took the grains and the dairy out and then I got my carbohydrates in the right place it was like yet another whole new world. A lot of those yucky feelings that I had been having in terms of energy also started to clear up. My workouts got better. My body fat went down. And so what I discovered and what I find can help some people around this macros conversation is I'm the person who kind of naturally gravitates to liking protein and fat. So if I eat intuitively, I want to eat protein and fat all day long. That's what my body, that's what I just, maybe it's my flavor palette. I don't know what it is, but I just like to eat protein and fat. So if I don't really keep an eye on what my macros are, I have a tendency to not get in enough carbohydrates. As soon as I track on a pretty regular basis and I'm able to keep my carbohydrates where they need to be, I'm really able to reach the next level in terms of body optimization. I mean, I become a machine and everything about my biology Honestly, and I, and I say this completely, I'm shocked at how capable and able and how high performance my body is able to be when I make sure I keep those carbohydrates up. 
So yeah, well, and and also too, you know, this just goes for anyone who has your level of high activity. You know what I mean? Yes. For us that are doing this level of activity, and 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 it's in between, you know, uh, non-athlete and pro, but it's in there because it's high level. Sure. So so that is always going to require a little bit more. There has to be room for that. Yes. Um, because there's just more happening, and so I think. That's probably, it absolutely seems in line with, you know, especially your life, your entire life, that of course that would make such a difference. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And I think, you know, in terms of what you and I were talking about, tracking versus intuition, um, I certainly, you know, here's the thing. If you eat the same thing every day and you're tracking your macros, you <laughs> right. try to know approximately how much of this and approximately how much of that to right. eat, right? So when I'm kind of on the straight and narrow, I don't track every single day because I know I get to eat a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's when I get a little off track and then when I'm trying to be intuitive, I'm just not real good at listening to my body and figuring out what it wants, because I think I've gotten so cleaned up. Like I don't want, I don't even want fruit. I mean, my body doesn't have a craving for sweet anymore. And so I tend, like I said, I just tend to eat protein and fat all day long and, and some vegetables, obviously. And, um, you know, and I eat very well, but it's like, I, I do realize that when I keep relative consciousness around it is when I'm able to really thrive. And I think, yeah, you know, I like to, I always like to use the analogy of what a professional athlete would do. And even though I'm not a professional athlete, you know, professional athletes, when they are really in their season of peak performance, they really are conscious to a T of what they're eating. They are very mindful of what they're eating every day. They are quote unquote tracking. And so I'm kind of like, you know what? I want to be in season all year round. I I totally love it. I love it. Right? Yeah. I mean, I go on, you know, vacations and I don't pay attention and I go to weddings and I don't pay attention and so forth. But for the most part, the tracking just really helps me to stay mindful and conscious and really, really um, dial in high performance. No, I, I'm with you too, because, you know, I love what you said earlier when I've been at my best in whatever, you know, in life, like when I'm at my, my, my peak and feeling perfect, I'm feeling that way lately, but I mean, just in general, you know, I've had dips, had hypothyroidism. I mean, there were times when I didn't, but in the moments that I did the feeling of feeling like an efficient human machine and sounds really weird to say that's very robotic of a (laughs) thing to say feels effing awesome. Amazing. It feels incredible. And you do feel like a professional athlete. There's a level of like badassery and awesomeness that is just so cool to feel that in one's own skin. And I think, um, it's not about striving to be on a cover magazine. No one has to even want that, but I'm just here to say that it is something that, you know, I've, I do strive for because it feels so great. Yeah. It feels so good. And it gives you so much more bandwidth for life. I'm, able to accomplish more. I need less sleep. I'm nicer to people around me. I'm nicer to the post office clerk, you know, like (laughs) everything is better. I'm more creative. I think more clearly, I think quicker. I mean, it's just like, why wouldn't I want to live in this state of high performance when all it means is I keep an eye on my macros, right? Um, I love it. So no grains and dairy for you. 
anymore. Yeah. Um, is there anything else yeah. you noticed that you had to eliminate that was a food group you were consuming regularly other than those two things? Those were the big ones. Um, and then I do notice that any kind of simple carbohydrate, whether it be honey, maple syrup, agave, any of those like sugars, even though they're not, you know, corn syrup, even though they're not cane sugar, um, I gotta be, I gotta keep an eye on those. Um, and I was doing that on a more regular basis before, but honestly, for real, and I have to keep an eye on alcohol, of course. Um, but you know, it's, I think when we look at, you know, where all the alcohols are coming from their sources, it's really hard to find a source that your body can handle very well. So, um, grains and dairy were the biggest. And then the other ones, yeah, I keep an eye on them, but they're not nearly as, um, religious. I mean, I look at grains and, and, and it's, it's like, I look at it and it's like, I, there's not a piece of me that wants any of them because I just know how badly I feel and what a disservice I'm doing to myself by allowing them. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I uh, had an experience where, so growing up in Chicago, Dunkin' Donuts was like the thing. Ah, me too. Pennsylvania. Ah. Dunkin' Donuts was like, man, that was just a regular thing. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I had this moment at an airport not too long ago where I walked by, and I had never seen this before in an airport, but then I saw a huge Dunkin' Donuts thing. And I literally just smiled after I had the thought because there was no temptation. There was no even exercising willpower. There was no conversation about, I really want it, but I can't. I didn't effing care, want, gross, no thanks. I'd rather go eat a bowl of fruit with fresh whipped cream if I'm going to. Like, yes. there's just no way. It just was not worth and I, and it. And it's just interesting because when you get to that point, that's where food addictions go away. See, because I used to be yes. a food addict and a sugar yes. addict, and I would have been bargaining with myself in the airport. I'd be like, well, I'll just have one that I won't eat later. Or like, oh, my God, I would have been having all sorts of conversations about, yes. you know, d- resisting the donut. And I just looked at it like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, yeah. right? Like if I'm going to do that, I might as well have a piece of fresh baked uh, French bread with a thing of brie. I mean, right. that is just not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, it's just such a great place when you make it there. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, and and to parallel that in my experience with my private coaching clients, what I found is once we get their food selection dialed in, the foods they can eat, the foods they can't eat. We can take that sort of, let's call it food preoccupation to the next level by making sure they're getting enough carbohydrates. I really find a lot of women these days are not getting in enough carbohydrates and that causes more food preoccupation, especially with the sweets and the carbs and the sugars. And as soon as I find the appropriate sources of carbohydrates for them to bring in, I have literally been able to take some clients who were convinced they had an eating disorder out of it 100% simply by increasing their carbohydrates. Because if you're, and you know, it's, it's true because here's the thing, you know, even though there's all levels of, of paleo primal paradigms and carb tolerance, you have to find your own carb threshold, right? That's the whole point. And you know, for women, sometimes you have to be lower than guys, depending on size and et cetera. Um, you know, our whole thing is, look, get cleaned out, get get fat adapted with however you do that. And then at that point, you can experiment 
and go in to see, is ketosis right for you? Is lower carb right for you? Then you can hack it. But people often tend to go right to the low carb too. And I think that's a very big mistake. And it often carries with lots of symptoms for the first month because people often do it wrong. They overeat the protein and they don't understand even how that paradigm works. So I think it's just important to like go down the path, right? To find your carb threshold. And if you're feeling good and great, great. And then you can experiment and you'll be able to tell at that point, right? It's almost like, how can you tell grains are affecting you unless you eliminate them for a month and then eat a bowl, bowl, bowl of oatmeal. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so I, I, that, that would be my suggestion too, because again, there are certain times and days where I do feel more carbs. And I, I even talked about it on the keto panel at paleo FX, where I said, look, you got to just sometimes eat the whole damn apple or a banana. Like sometimes that's just what has to happen. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of intuition that can come there. But for the most part, I think people are too strict to the low carb right away. It's about cleaning out, getting the symphony in balance first, hang out in a decent arena. We would never suggest eat over 150 grams of carbohydrates, especially if you're sedentary. But, you know, you can start somewhere around yeah. 100 grams a day and then go, all right, and then tinker. You know, um, I just think that deep dive into it is, is, a, is a fail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from nowhere, from a place of un- ill health, you just diving right into that. For sure. And, and too, as you said, there are personal variances. Um, you know, I have many women that come to me that say they've thrived on a low carb diet. And then I have women that come to me and say they always felt terrible on a ketogenic low carb diet. And as soon as they started to experiment with bringing in a higher amount of carbohydrates, that's when they started to feel better. So I think too, if, if you're doing everything right and you just don't ever feel well on a, on lower carbs, that too is a great place to start to experiment and say, well, how do you feel if you add the half an apple or bump up your carbs to 125 grams or whatever it may be. Right. Um, right. And you know, for those listening, when we say low carb or keto, we're really talking about you know, you get into the quote low carb when you're doing like 50 grams right. a day or below. Yeah. And then below that you can get deep. There's people with cancer that are doing 12 carbs a day. Totally. I mean, you know, there's, there's a whole different level of, of carbohydrate restriction, but it's just when I clear that up for everyone listening, if they're curious about the, you know, the, the framework, um, that's what we mean. And so you might need to edge up to 80 or hundred or 120, you know, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really individual. Another thing that is really confusing for all of us and, um, is weights. And, you know, I, I love it. I was talking to the muscle maven who is the host of Ashley Van Houten. She's the host of paleo magazine radio and she's just, she's, she's killing it. And, you know, her thing too is like, Hey ladies, you know, you've got to put major effort. And I honestly, I'm guilty of it myself. The whole, I'm going to phone this, <laughs> this weight yeah. workout in, you know, the same thing all the time. You're like, meh. And then you're like, yeah, but I really need to step it up. And then, and then when you do step it up and then you see the results in a couple of days, you're like, damn, I need to be stepping up regularly. So yeah. I need the motivation to step up the effort and the weight. And I want you to talk to us about, you know, strength training for women. Oh gosh, how much longer do we have? Cause we can talk for days. I'm so excited about this. So, um, 
you know, while a big part of my conversation, obviously, yes, is around nutrition, as we've talked, a bigger part of my conversation is this strength training conversation for women, because we now have medical research that shows strength training is a powerful tool in your health and wellness. It's not just about leanness. It's not just about losing weight. It's not just about fitting into your skinny jeans, but strength training is powerful in the fight against heart disease, stroke, as we know, diabetes, adult onset obesity, healthy aging, all of that. So we also know that there's a powerful correlation between strength training and mood and depression. And so if you do battle the mood disorders, depression, hormonal imbalances, and fatigue, strength training is so big. Um, so through this journey of the past couple of years that I've already shared a little bit about, as I've gotten my biology freed up and I'm not so junked up by the grains and the, and the dairy, it's like I untamped my biology. And what I'm seeing now is that my body needs a lot less cardio and a lot more strength training. And when I've got my weeks that my strength training is concerted, definitive and, you know, challenging my mood and my energy and my recovery are so much better. And so I think for women, yes, it's going to help you get leaner. Yes, you're going to look better, but even more so the degree that it improves the quality of your life specifically for women is shocking. And even more specifically, if you're over the age of about 34, um, you know, we in the industry know that as we get older, there's something called sarcopenia, which is simple muscle loss as we get older. So even if you are working out, even if you are lif lifting and strength training and all of that, we lose muscle simply because we're getting older. And if you're over the age of 34 or 35, or you're in your forties now, and you haven't been doing a lot of strength training, you really substantially have lost quite a bit of lean muscle mass. And when you start to get that back, it is amazing. It is so empowering and it's a real health, um, and energy game changer. Yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting even more motivated. The thing is, is that you know, I'm so glad you mentioned the thing about the less cardio. Of course, that's also quite primal to not do cardio per se versus, you know, um, low and slow. And you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it is so much more important. And the thing, though, is that it, it's still drilled into us somewhere in the subconscious, right, by society that like spending 45 minutes on that elliptical is really the way to do it. But the way to do it is right. a quick 15 minute session, maybe a quick sprint one, a little alternate and then weights. Right. I mean, that's, it's really where it is. And, you know, I, when I get onto that train, it just, it more and more solidifies that that is the way to go. Oh yeah. And, you know, just especially at being a woman, the hormonal implications of strength training, it really does help to maximize the testosterone we have and help to manage our estrogen. Um, and that alone on a biological and brain chemistry um, continuum is really super powerful. So, you know, I just, I just feel like every, any woman out there is going to feel better if she's got herself on a consistent 
moderate dedicated strength training plan. And what is, and so if someone is already in the mix, like already at a level where they're like, Hey, I've been doing it. I've just been doing the wrong stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. But they're, but they're already good to go. Um, so not a beginner. Mm -hmm. How many days a week are they looking at if they want to be a badass? You know, it really depends on your program and your protocol because you can be a badass on, you know, shorter workouts that are high intensity. Um, and then there are people like me that do better on lower intensity and high volume. So it's hard to say because it really does come down to the quality of the workout and the degree that you are taxing your system. So the whole point of any workout, but the whole point of strength training workouts is to work out, right? Is to really tax your system. So you can go in for a strength training workout and you can tax your system and your muscles in 20 minutes, or it takes me two hours to really tax my body because of the protocol that I'm following and the way that I'm doing it. So I think it really depends on your preferences and your body. But if, um, let's say you came to me, let's just, I like to use real world examples. It just makes it so much easier for me. If you, L. No, no, I'm definitely coming to you. <laughs> okay, perfect. So if you yeah. came to me and, and you've got this baseline foundation, right? What I do is I look at what have you been doing? What's the nature of your workouts that you've been doing? And then I tweak them so that you're getting a new stimulus, potentially, potentially more volume. Okay. Which could mean more time, but it doesn't have to mean more time. It could be more reps. It could be more sets. It could be more weight. Um, So, but in a perfect world, if someone loves strength training and they really want to change their body, I usually put them on a four day split. And so that means I'm splitting it up over four days. Those workouts are anywhere from 40 to 60 minutes and you're hitting different movement patterns in those four days. I like to do a super comprehensive movement um, target for the lower body twice per week. So that means it's all movement based, not exercise based, but I like to have two workouts per week where you're hitting your lower body from two different approaches. So if I were to give you, let's say eight, let's say four to five lower body movement exercises for one workout during the week. Your second workout for the week would be a different four or five exercises. So you're getting 10 different movement patterns per week. On the lower body. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And so like I I could go on and on and on. And that's why it's so hard to answer the question because there's so many different program variables. And like, this is what I do. I get, I really geek out on the program variables of strength training. But, you know, the shortest answer I could come up with would be, if you've got a foundation and you want to get to the next level, I personally would program you for four days a week. Um, yeah, that's not, I mean, here's the thing that kind of feels right of where I do it anyway. Yeah. And like so I'm kind you, of already doing that. I'm just half-assing. <laughs> no, you I'm not half-assing it. I, I sometimes not, I'm making fun of myself, but no, it's just that I do want to take it to a different level because I notice that I'm getting stronger. But that's you might not need more, right? So if you're going in and you're doing four days a week, that's why I would look at what you're currently doing. You might not need more. You, we just might need to change the nature 
of what your workouts are and make you step it up a little bit. So here's the way I do it. And this works really well for me personally. I'm always on a program. I don't do intuitive training. I follow a program. (laughs) So when I go into the gym every day, because, you know, some days you're more energized than others, or some days you're stronger than others. Every day I go in and I say, okay, here's the program. Here's the workout for the day. Let's call it I'm doing day C, whatever my program is. Today is day C. I want to make sure that somewhere in my eight exercises that appear on this day, I want to make sure that at least on two of them, I'm tackling more or harder or a higher intensity on something. And if I can leave the gym every day, having done something at a higher level, then I did my job and adaptation is smooth and continuous. That is so awesome. And yeah, we could talk forever about this. Tell us, I mean, you, first of all, and I should mention, because I didn't, that you're the author of Lift to Get Lean. (laughs) Um, If I didn't already say that. Um, So expert level there. What, how can we work with you? How can we gain knowledge from you and get help from you? Oh gosh, so many ways. So I am fiercely dedicated to serving the world and putting out as much free content as I possibly can. So I put out a ton of free content. Um, and I guess probably the best place to start is to go to my own personal website, which is hollyperkins.com. Um, and specifically I've got a couple of incredible free downloads that I offer to people that people are loving. I have been getting unbelievable emails from people who have used some of my free downloadable programs. Um, and like just literally they download this document and they're getting great, great results. So if you go to hollyperkins.com forward slash offer, I provide a totally free, it's a downloadable PDF, which is a six week workout program. And it's a great program for people where they're kind of in between programs or they're um, getting back on track or they need to take a break from their old program. So it's what I call an interim program. And so what that's going to do is that's going to put you on my email list and then you'll be able to see where all of my other free resources are. And then every week I do a free um, live video. I basically call it a, a, a TV show on Facebook and Instagram that I call Live with Holly. And so every Wednesday I do an hour long segment where I'm, talk, I'm talking on a topic, so I'm sharing concepts, but I'm also answering questions. And it's one of the ways that I give people access to me totally for free. So a lot of people will chime in and they'll ask me their specific questions about strength training or about nutrition or, um, you know, about my approach to eating or macros or whatever it may be. So Facebook and Instagram is also a great place to find me. I love it. That's so wonderful to give out that content and get people on the right path. Um, are there any other thoughts you'd like to leave for our audience? No, this has been so fun. I just want to keep talking. I know we could, we could do like a whole after whole, actually, you know, we'll, I'll come and see you and then we'll have to Jeez. shoot some video of you training me. Yes, I mean, we need to get together. Absolutely. We'll definitely, we'll be, we live so close and we'll, um, thank you so much for coming on Holly Perkins and we will have all of the links to her social media and websites, uh, and that offer in the show notes, uh, for those out there interested. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's 
stalking the primal kitchen wilder <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing actually she does we have a local state park called wilder ranch oh yeah and uh, she calls the ranch dressing wilder ranch dressing which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that it's just too it's so so endearing uh how old um, is she She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. A oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish Balance Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> That's my pleasure.